something weird about it. That was hilarious. He's gonna end up dead. Well, take it out. I was like reading my card number out. <laughs> <laughs> Why was I even doing that? We're gonna, we're gonna take it out. <laughs> you're, the, you're the editor here. You know how to You'll do it. You'll edit out. <laughs> okay, welcome to... Say it. Just say it. Okay, okay. Welcome... <laughs> Hold on. Welcome to... This was my title, and I can't pronounce it for some reason. Um, welcome to Requiem for a Stream. Where yeah, enunciate that shit. Yeah, enunciate it. <laughs> where we'll, you'll rock and roll over in your grave. 226. Oh. That's Funny. the number. Okay. Maybe this is recording. You might not want that number. But Okay, today we're going to talk about Jimi Hendrix. Woo. Um, yeah, obviously... A big one. He was born in 1942 to Alan Lucille Hendricks in Seattle. So it was a bit of a weird relationship that his parents had. They were very, like, they were kind of on again, off again. The Mm -hmm. mom was really young. She was, like, 15. Wow. When, yeah. And, um... How old was the dad? Much older? Much older. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the case. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and they were, like, kind of on again, off again. Uh, there are a lot of stories about the other kids. One of them, they just kind of abandoned, like, this whole thing. Um, but Jimmy, they kept. He was the first one. Jimmy's brother, Leon, was in and out of foster care. Three other younger siblings. Uh, he had three other younger siblings. They were all adopted or in foster care. So it was just him and Leon, really. And... Growing up in Seattle, it was kind of really different than other places at the time because uh, Seattle was one of the first places that were really, like, it wasn't segregated. So he talked about going to school with just, like, Asians, Latinos, other, like, some white kids, and, like, it's just a huge mix, and it was just cool there. It was, like, everything was cool. So, yeah, I feel like that's why he wasn't so politically active, like a lot of other artists were at the time, like, about Vietnam and about you know, racism and classism. It wasn't political really at all. He just kind of talked about love a lot. So in 1957, his father gave him a ukulele with one string that he, like, found. Yeah. Here, son. Here, this is the garbage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Make it work. laughs> and he tried to teach himself, um, you know, like, he, uh, from what he'd be listening to on the radio. And he got his first acoustic guitar at age 15. And he was in his first band, the Velvetones. And then Jimmy's father actually got him his first electric guitar. After that, he joined the band The Rocking Kings. I think he got kicked out of the Velvetones for, like, showing off once he got the electric guitar. (laughs) Um, He had that guitar stolen and then had to buy a new guitar after that on his own. You know, he grew up listening to Muddy Waters, who I think we're going to have to cover because Muddy Waters inspired so many rock and roll legends and sure. it's like not a lot of people even know who muddy waters is mm. which is ridiculous like the stones went as far as to try and like go to him physically to study with him it's insane wow. yeah so obviously muddy waters is a big um, my boyfriend actually doesn't even know stones music so stop it yeah sore subject oh my god so um there's a lot of <laughs> stop it <laughs> i can't oh, so there's a lot of stories that kind of like don't really make sense together. Like they talk about him going into the army. A lot of people said it was because um, he stole a couple of cars, and they're like, "You're either going to jail or the army." So he chose the army. But a lot of people, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that as well. That's one of the stories. Yeah. And then people are like, "Oh yeah, he just really didn't want to work with his dad." <laughs> I don't 
So anyway, he goes in the army, or he just went into the army because he knew he'd have to go event. That's what he says in his writings, that he went and he chose to go to the army. He didn't want to work with his dad. Yeah, because he didn't want to work with his dad. Because that was kind of... His dad was harsh. harsh. I mean, his mom died when he was His 15. mom died when he was young, yeah. And the dad... And I she think, died of a really... Something weird, like... I thought she died of cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, the, yeah. Was, they were both alcoholics. Yeah, oh, she... Yeah. And I heard his oh, father... Sorry. Yeah, I heard his father didn't even allow him to go to the funeral. He didn't allow him or his brother. Funeral, yeah. Told him to just stay home and, like, yeah. have a drink, and that's how you deal with, I guess, hardships. I'm like, that's kind of... And that's why harsh. he died at 27. Say the least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was stationed in Kentucky, and he wrote to his father to send him his guitar because he really needed it. While there, he befriended Billy Cox, who played the bass. So they made a little band together and called themselves the Casuals. Again, I hear different things about why he got out of the army. So he okay. was um, a paratrooper, and one version, he hurt his ankle jumping out of the plane. It got caught on something. And then he exaggerated his back pain to get out. Another one, another, like, um story that I heard was that he pretended to be gay to get out, which a lot of famous people did at the time. So... Or they pretend to have bone spurs, like some... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some sources say that he just, like, clearly didn't want to be there. He wasn't a very good soldier. Mm -hmm. They just, like, kind of kicked him out with, like, honorable discharge, just to get rid of him. So, that's that. So then once he, um... (laughs) Once he left the army... You know, then uh, in September 1963, uh, Billy Cox left the army. He was discharged, and uh, he and Jimmy moved to Clarksville, Tennessee, and formed a band called the King Casuals. Two Ks, both with Ks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in addition uh, to playing with his own bands, he'd also become a backing musician for various like soul, R&B, and blues musicians. Some of which included Wilson Pickett. Slim Harpo, again with the strange love, sorry. Um, uh, Sam Cooke, Ike and Tina Turner, Jackie Wilson, B.B. King, Little Richard at a point. And yeah, then he went eventually to New York to play the club circus with King Curtis, uh, the Isley Brothers, and John Paul Hammond and Curtis Knight. So he moved to Harlem where he moved in with a woman. Um, and he played with the Isley Brothers, Little Richard at a point, Curtis Knight and the Squires, uh, Johnny D and the Starlights. And then he had his own band, Jimmy James and the Blue Flames. Yes. Uh Uh, So while he was there, he met Linda Keith, who this is an interesting story. She was Keith Richards' girlfriend and uh, Uh she was at the, the Cheetah Club. And she saw Jimmy play, and she was just kind of, like, blown away by him. Because, he's, you know, he's left-handed, so he's playing a regular right-handed guitar upside down. And she was just, like, <laughs> blown away by it. So yeah. they actually became friends, and she was trying to get him discovered. And she got Chaz Chandler from The Animals to come see him. A lot of Ooh. people, like, passed on him because it wasn't their type Ooh. of music. It was too avant-garde. Okay. But then, they, yeah, she got Chaz Chandler over there, who was looking to get into managing after the band was breaking up. And he saw what she saw. Like, he was unbelievable. So... They take him to England, and this is where he got famous. This is why I find this interesting, is he got famous in Europe, and so did Miles mm. Davis. Mm-hmm. And then they only got famous in America after getting famous in um, in Europe. It's happened for, like, a few musicians. Yeah. Also, same with, like, Bob Marley. He got yeah. famous over there first, too. You're right. Before becoming famous here. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a more sophisticated crowd, maybe. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, so then they formed the Jimi Hendrix Experience. The experience. Wasn't like the song that he thought that Jimi could really deliver on was Hey, hey Joe. Joe. He mm-hmm. loved Hey Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this. he did deliver on it. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. He, like he had in his head he wanted someone to play Hey Joe, and then he finds Jimi Hendrix and is like, Oh fuck yes. That's how I fell in love with Jimi Hendrix. Is Hey Joe. Hey Joe's such a good song. Oh my yeah. god. And um, on September twenty fourth. Um, he gave uh, an impromptu performance at uh, the Scotch of St. James, uh, where he met Kathy at Jingham, uh, who became his girlfriend for two and a half years. He went to see Cream, and he asked if he could, you know, play a few songs with Eric Clapton. And they're like, yeah, of course, no problem. And then he did this insane version of Howling Wolf's Killing Floor. And... It was it was insane. Uh, Clapton said that when he walked off the stage, he was never the same again. So Damn. yeah, we've all heard him play. You would never if that was the first time you heard it. You would probably be like, "What the?" <laughs> so like yeah, then they got in like you know Noel Redding on the bass and Mitch Mitchell on the drums. Um, I forgot which one of them had like he had the same hair as Jimi Hendrix, and he was like, "Oh, I'm tired because of his hair." <laughs> I think it was um, Noel Redding. And he's just like, oh, you have a fro? I have a fro. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that happened. They had some interesting stories. And, yeah, so the first single was Hey Joe, like you said. It was mm-hmm. number six on the UK chart in 1967. And then it was Purple Haze that came next. Ooh, yeah. Big one. yeah. So what a lot of people don't realize about Jimi Hendrix, and it's weird that no one knows this, but he was really into sci-fi. And a lot of his songs were based on, like, you know, space and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just never thought of it. Like, I just thought it was all drugs and acid, you know. But, yeah, Purple Haze, which, um, oh, what was that about? It was actually, like, a reference to some kind of space thing. Oh, wow. Why can't I remember what it was? Well, that's surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was really inside. He was a nerd. He was a big nerd. No, I, I love that. But, like, <laughs> Purple Haze, I mean, that's not what you that's automatically a drug. No, think of. I know. <laughs> I forgot what it was. I feel like... I can't remember the story. Like he had a dream, and the purple haze was like an alien or spaceship. Okay, it was it was definitely sci-fi related. I uh, this dreams. was all released in the platinum album. Are you experienced? Okay. May the wind cries. Mary was on the charts for eleven weeks, peaking at number six. So then their uh, album Are You Experienced came out. Spent thirty-three weeks, um, and it peaked at number two. Uh, it was prevented from reaching the top only by Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. So it, it's kind of understandable. Oh, like, it's like, it's like yeah. you know, yeah. don't feel bad about that, you know? I'm going to be number two to anybody. Yeah. I'm be the Beatles. Yeah, it might as well be the Beatles. <laughs> and he did perform his own rendition of Sgt. Pepper, and it was fucking incredible. Really? Yeah, it was it. really good. And Paul McCartney talks about it. He was so flattered. Um, so he got really popular in London, obviously. And he met, like, the Beatles... And the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney really fell in love with him. He even like performed Sgt. Pepper live, his own version of it. And Paul McCartney saw it and was like so flattered. Like not, it was right when they came out. Like, you know, you could be like offended by that, but he was just so. Paul McCartney has good taste. Yeah, he was so (laughs) blown away by it. He's the one who insisted that he go to the Montgomery Pop Festival, which is the festival that made him really. Hmm. So he goes to the Montgomery Pop Festival. No one knows who he is at this point. He's introduced by Brian Jones, who's also like, dude, you got to hear this guy. So he gets on there and he starts playing and everyone is like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. Never heard anything like that. Nothing right? like it. Yeah. And he says he's going to sacrifice something he loves at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and they're all like, okay. And little they know, he has practiced this before. He has lighter fluid and he sets his guitar on fire. It was like kind of almost like, yeah, it was like a sacrifice, like to the music god or something. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I'm thinking like that must have been expensive. But, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know, you could probably, you know, buy a few good meals with that guitar. Some like, of these things are worth it to make a statement. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it was, it was iconic at the moment. And like people got amazing photos of it. It just, it put right. him on the map. So after that, they did, you know, in 1968, Acts as Bold as Love. And then Electric Ladyland, which was number one in 1968, it was like one of his, it was like the biggest album, and it made him a superstar. So they had him tour with the Monkees, which was a really poor decision. Interesting pairing. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of, so the Monkees were, I, I love the Monkees, don't get me wrong, but they were a TV band. They they're, weren't a real, like, Yeah, they're... Band. They didn't really play their instruments. Yeah. Yeah. And like they weren't, but they toured and a lot of teenagers and young people liked them. So when they would see Jimi Hendrix, who I forgot to mention, likes to pretend the guitar is his penis and jerk it off. Does a lot of humping of the guitar. (laughs) For reals. Does a lot of humping of the guitar. He really like changed the world with this. I'm not even kidding. Because when I, my favorite, one of my favorite moments seeing David Bowie in concert was when he was singing Ziggy with the guitar and he starts like kind of humping his guitar, singing Making Love to His Ego. And I was just like, that is the hottest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, so he's like, you know, when he was doing all that stuff, it was very like, you know, at the time their mothers didn't want their kids to see this. So he obviously was taken off the bill. And he writes yeah, um, that, that he guesses. the time of Elvis, people yeah. didn't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, he loved Elvis too. And he, he, he had very time. like he yeah. had a wide array of tastes, which we will list. Um, but yeah, basically, he said like I guess they wanted Mickey Mouse, like you know, <laughs> yeah. he said something like that. Um, so yeah, so it didn't really make sense for him to be touring with them. Uh, so he actually got a little. Like, once he went to Woodstock, that was another iconic time for him. He went there and he played the national anthem, which offended mm-hmm. a lot of people. So um, does. Yeah, I, I don't get that. He, like, in, if anything, improved it. No, he improved it. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people thought it was a statement about Vietnam, and it really wasn't. He says, like, he's like, I'm an American. I love America. I thought I'd play the national anthem. You know? What about the controversy surrounding the national anthem today? Oh, you mean, like, kneeling? Yeah. Oh. You know, I just, people, I feel like people just overreact. Like, who fucking cares? I don't know. That's just me. Like, I don't have an attachment to the National Anthem. Neither do I, but I understand the representation of kneeling. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's right, not, like... You don't feel like it's your country anymore? You can, right. You know, if if your country's sense. not standing up for you, then... Why should mm, you stand up for yeah, your country? Yeah, yeah, right. No. So... That makes total sense. I don't know why people are so upset. But my dad's upset. He's boycotting football. A lot of people are. Interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. I don't know. I find, like, the original... I, I like the idea. I find the original guy who did it kind of obnoxious. But, like, just because... I don't Colin? know. Colin? Yeah. Colin? I love Colin! I do love Colin. No, I like Colin, too. Yeah. Uh, Colin oh. is great. I'm just kind of like, what are you doing, dude? Like, not, no. not with the kneeling, just, like, his hair. But... <laughs> she's like, I, I like Colin's message, but his hair is horrible. <laughs> I really, as a football player, I don't understand how he does it with the hair. Like, I'm sorry, know. how do you get all that under the helmet? Whatever, his message is amazing. So Colin <laughs> We didn't overlook the hair. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Hendrix really wasn't political. Like, he, right. he kept talking about how he's all, it's all about love and all about, like, you know, moving to, like, a higher level, really, with the guitar and with, um, mm. you know, 
dropping acid and <laughs> all that shit. That'll do it. That's a hot so, so yeah, so he's, he's rising up, he's doing good, and eventually he wants to kind of go his own way, mm-hmm. and he forms Didn't a new... Didn't he, like, pass out, though, after he did the anthem? Did he? Yes! Oh, my God. Like, he, it was, like, this, like, festival, and, like, at the end of the anthem, oh, he that's just, like, right. He didn't like open festivals like that. Woodstock was a nightmare for him. He hated that sort of thing. Woodstock? He didn't like performing like in front of huge crowds. Yeah, he that's just didn't like thing. the open space. He was yeah. afraid of getting shot. Yeah. Like Martin Luther King at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary time to be, you know. Yeah, I'd be afraid of getting shot. I heard an interview with um, Martin Luther King's lawyer mm-hmm. on Reddit, and he was saying, like, even before he got shot, like, you'd hear, like, like a car bang, and you'd think it's a gun, and oh, he'd duck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He'd duck. He already thought he was Well, he probably was always getting, like, death threats, and, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. anyway, then he formed his own band without kind of telling the band he was in that he was doing it. The last performance of the experience was at, um, was at the Denver Pops Festival in 1969. So before the show, this, I told you guys about this briefly, like, um, uh, um, Noel Redding was uh, told by a journalist that two weeks ago he was replaced with Billy Cox. So he quit the next day. Um, so he formed a band of gypsies, um, with Billy Cox on the bass and drummer Buddy Miles, opened Electric Ladyland Studios. But then, like, in the late 60s, he was known for his, like, alcoholic outbursts, his violence, and his drug charges in Canada. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I think he felt, like, kind of held back with, um, I think the new, like, music he was working with, I think it wasn't the same excitement that he felt with the experience, which is why he wanted to go back to Chaz. And then, but then he died in 1970, so, like... It was, like, I think, like, a day after he went to see Chaz to talk about setting something up. Yeah, because his death was, like, the way college kids die, like, drowning in your own vomit. You know, the reason he didn't wake up, well, a lot of people won't wake up for that because they're drinking, but also he was on a bunch of, like, sedatives, right? Yeah, it was, like, he, it, I think it was barbiturates. Oh, like, yeah, I hear about Yeah, that. and yeah. he basically suffocated on his own vomit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just don't feel like he was one of those people that you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to die young. You know, like, they're, like, living life real hard. I feel like yeah. it was just the culture then, and he just was Oh, for sure. Was yeah, everybody was. Because I feel like he was meant to live yeah. so much longer. I just feel like he would have done so much. He already he did so much in the short amount of time he was here. He did a lot, but I feel like it what he was still finding himself. He was he when was he was himself. still alive, and like what would have happened? Like, yeah, he still did. He really never got political, and a lot of people get political later in their career, and he oh, have really yeah. done a lot. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Yeah, and also, how much more success would he have seen? Like, oh I feel like mm. most of his success is seen after his death. Like, oh my God. yeah. Well, it's there's just not another. You know, right. he's yeah. one of a kind. Absolutely. And, um, you know, he's influenced so many people. And it's amazing how, like, you know, you start just, like, wanting to play guitar. Somehow you're the best guitarist. In yeah. Life. And you're playing an upside-down guitar. Yeah. He's like, oh. His also don't yeah. forget, yeah. And a lot of people are like, you know, maybe you're just about gimmicks. And it's like, well, if you actually just hear him play the guitar, there's right. no gimmick there. You know? Great gimmick he's got. Yeah, right. Yeah, really. like, <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was the first to smash the guitar, you know. Light it on fire. Fire. Yeah. He really yeah. abused that guitar. Really <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. You know. He's a great showman, though. Yeah. Wow, God. And the way he dressed. That was 
all him. Yeah. That's his own thing. That's what, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I see, like, looking at him and looking at, like, Prince. Ooh. You see parallels. Oh, like, Prince you see is like, very inspired by oh, But he's very influenced oh, by yeah. Jimmy, I'd say. Like, Prince took a lot from Jimi Hendrix, for sure. And like, then Prince did something totally original. Right, but, like, Which you can un- totally see the influences. Oh, of course. Of like, course. the purple, the hair, the movements, like, yeah. so much stuff. And I think that's what makes a great artist. Like, he was able to take from influences like Jimmy and yeah. James Brown and, um, like, Little Richard as well. Oh, and yeah. he was able to just still be unique, but he was right. definitely heavily influenced by Jimmy. I think yeah. that Jimi Hendrix played behind so many famous people. Yeah. And it's like, did they know that the they greatness had greatness yeah. that they had? <laughs> did they know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Probably not, yeah. But. Yeah. And he has his younger brother still alive. I've seen interviews with him and he dresses crazy too, like Jimmy did. I don't know if that's just because his brother did. It's so like running the family yeah. or well, he's just his brother do. But, yeah. oh, what does his brother do? I heard a lot of interviews with his family and it was really interesting because he was mostly raised by like, you know, other family members, not his parents as much. He was at aunts and uncles, grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. raised around the kids. And, uh, yeah, they all said he was into music real young, and he was into, he got, his first guitar was, like, one string, and he made it make sound, you know? Nice. Yeah. No, he just, he always needed, there was a means of self-expression, and that was it, and he was able to get there, you know, he was on his way, because he wasn't a big talker. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I feel you, Jimmy. But he did write his own words. You know what I find really interesting about him and Jim Morrison, both, they weren't really singers, but they felt like they could get up and sing after Bob Dylan because we know he's not a singer. Right. Especially yeah. in his older years. Yeah. Oh, and he loved Bob Dylan. Yeah. yeah. But he wrote his own um he wrote his own music, Jimmy Hendrix. Like he wrote like the lyrics. Right. And they were very simple, but they were also very vivid. Right. He was also a nerd who loved sci fi just like the rest <laughs> of us. So there might be a little Jimmy Hendrix in you, lady. <laughs> lady. I mean for him to be in you, it's like a lady. All right. Um, Did you see the movie? About, which, the uh, biopic? Yeah. God. Yeah, it was awful. It was so boring, I turned it off. I heard, like, it got really bad reviews, so I never actually... How do you make a movie about it. Jimi Hendrix I boring? I did hear an interview with his girlfriend who was featured in it yeah. at the time. Um, she said it was, like, just, like, utter bullshit. Like, the, none of that... Like, she's like, none of that happened. That's ridiculous. Do they even do their research? Like... <laughs> I don't know. Like... this movie? It's they crazy. Just, yeah, they... They just... Ugh. It just didn't... It was boring. It was a boring How movie. can you make a I movie know. about Jimmy Boring? That's insane. I know. He's so fascinating. Yeah. I know. It was boring. But, you know, he would... Mom and Quiet... There's a lot of people don't know about him, which is interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, there's books and books on all these different dead rock stars that I'm reading about. But, yeah. And Jimmy does have quite a few books and documentaries, but none of them really say much. But do you feel like you, we were discussing this too, like, do you feel like you even like know who he is as a person? Like, do you get a good idea? Like, I've read things about him. I still feel like he's very mysterious. He's very mysterious, yeah. Like, yeah. He like, just his interviews are very vague. Yeah. You know, his lyrics are vague. He, um, his music's unbelievable, but he still felt like there was like places to go with it, which is amazing because none of us could think of where to go with it. Right. You know, that's like, that's all him. And, uh, yeah, I feel like people, like, tried to find things, and yeah. they just, like, were trying to squeeze, you know, something like, out. But really... Like, who knew the room? We just didn't me? know. Maybe, yeah. I guess people who knew him best, maybe, <laughs> were, like, I don't know, maybe he had a, a girlfriend for two years, Kathy. Um, I feel like people knew different sides to him, but nobody yeah. really probably knew. Yeah, he was know, very reserved. Yeah. Yeah. Mysterious guy. But... but 
Sounded like a nice dude besides the hitting the woman with a vodka bottle. Yeah, yeah, apart from that. Yeah. 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 Sucks a lot of these guys abuse women. Uh, Kurt Cobain didn't as far as we know, right? Right? As far as we know, I don't think. Did you hear anything? I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I mean... I think that he and Courtney got into tips, but... More verbal fights than physical. Yeah, yeah, he didn't hit so. her with a vodka bottle? No, he didn't hit her with a vodka what bottle. What a great guy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she was pretty volatile. I, I, right. I wouldn't be surprised if they got into you physical fights. Things but she probably, her, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see it happening. But who knows? I never heard anything, so yeah. I don't know. Who knows? So, like, this is the only thing I've heard about Jimmy. It's just that he hit that woman with the vodka bottle. Um, mm-hmm. That he gets sometimes kind of violent when he drank. But right. Yeah. I didn't really hear much about any. He's just so, just really people who knew him just didn't know him. It seems like it just yeah. there wasn't a lot to say. Right. Except that he was a genius. Yeah. With the guitar. Right. I mean, that's all he wanted to leave. Yeah. Uh, people. With, I don't know. Oh, so people don't want to bear their you know <laughs> instrumentalist of our time. Yeah. He really he, was. Absolutely. And I, I, I love seeing footage of him because just watching him play is just with the outfits and with the Such a natural. guitar yeah, whole thing and jerking off and the... He just... just yeah. He's so nuts and I love it. And when you see Prince, you totally see <laughs> that. I'm just saying. When he was? Prince. Prince. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Of course. But, I mean, Prince is like his style and his whole thing, but his, his actual music is really neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Prince did his own thing. And we'll get to him. We will get to him. So if you like to listen to Jimi Hendrix, here's a list of people you should listen to. Um, Okay, Robert Johnson, Howling. Okay, so on this, it's inspirations, his contemporaries, and people inspired by him. And I'm talking about, like, the best guitarists because I don't think there's a single guitarist out there that isn't inspired by Jimi Hendrix. So keep that in mind with this list. Okay, so I said Robert Johnson... Howling Wolf, T-Bone Walker, John Lee Hooker, Buddy Guy, Elvis, Buddy Holly, Lil Richard, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Otis Redding, William Pickett, B.B. King, Elmore James, Eddie Cochran, uh, Deep Purple, Santana, Bonnie Raitt, Derek and the Dominoes, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Rush, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, Frank Zappa, George Clinton, Prince, obviously, Lenny Kravitz, obviously, um, Sly and the Family Stone, Sonic Youth, because uh, their guitar is fucking awesome, Television, Dinosaur Jr., Aerosmith, Wilco, and of course, Nirvana. It's a good list. It's a good list. So <laughs> most of the information I got... On, on Jimmy was from the book A Room Full of Mirrors by Charles R. Cross. I highly recommend it. 